Hello and welcome to the Life Enchanted podcast. We're on a mission to optimize our lives through faith, health, wisdom, and much more. Thank you for joining us on our journey. Here now is our host, Nick Carlisle. What is good, my beautiful friends? Nick Carlisle here, ex-high school teacher turned holistic life coach and podcaster. Welcome to Life Enchanted. I hold my master's degree in education, and that is exactly the purpose of this podcast, to help educate you about all things faith, health, interesting, and optimizing. If you haven't already, go check out my Instagram, at nick.carlisle, that is. I am very active on there and would love to connect with you personally. Also, please consider leaving a rating and review of this podcast on whatever platform you're using. That helps me grow the show and spread the word. And lastly, I have a free 25-page wellness guide on my website that I think you'll find a ton of value in. Feel free to download yours at www.mylifeenchanted.com slash connect. With that said, let's get into the episode. Hello, my friends. Nick Carlisle here. Stoked to be back with you, as always. I'm pretty sure I say that every episode because I mean it, my dudes and dudettes. I mean it. I'm stoked to do these. In today's episode, I want to talk about one of my fundamental self-care routines that I've mentioned in the past and that I talk about on Instagram, but I want to revisit it because I think that I am able to now, because I'm so much deeper into my practice, I'm able to articulate it better and teach it better, and I think it will significantly help you because it has helped me. It's changed my brain, my mind, and really the way that I interface with life. And this didn't occur overnight. There are no overnight fixes for anything that we are going through. Eh, You could probably argue that, but you know what I'm saying. But this practice that I've implemented over and over and over and over and over and over and over again has really changed my experience of life. And I want to help you uh, do the same for your life. What I want to talk about today is a loaded term that I almost regret even saying in the first minute because I don't want you to turn this episode off, but it's meditation, mindfulness. And that word is so dang loaded and it means so many different things to so many different people because it has its roots in very different traditions and there's so many different types of meditation and mindfulness, etc. that uh, it's a little bit convoluted perhaps and it's lost kind of its power, in my opinion. But the way that I think of mindfulness and meditation and what my practice currently looks like and why I think it is so helpful, like logically and scientifically, is because for me, it is a concentration practice. Now think with me for a second. If you practice concentrating over and over again, What do you think you will become better at? Yes, concentrating, exactly. If you practice the piano a lot, you're going to be better at the piano. 
Same with free throws, same with the trumpet, same with reading, same with writing, same with math, same with public speaking, same with whatever, right? The more you practice something, the better you get at said practice, right? And the same thing is true for a concentration practice. The more you practice concentrating, the better you get at concentrating. Okay, so how does that help us? Well, as we navigate life, and as we experience different things, circumstances, troubles, whatever, if we have a strong concentration muscle, if we are good at concentrating, that means that we will be able to concentrate in those moments easier on the things that we want to concentrate on. And as a believer, as a follower of Christ, what I want to concentrate on is the Father and Scripture and the Word. Because if I'm able to do that, which is just abiding, contemplation, right? As I'm able to focus and concentrate on the kingdom of God, that is going to cascade into me feeling the kingdom of God inside of my body, which to me is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? So this is a very practical tool that is going to help us live better because we're practicing concentrating, we get better at concentrating, our ability becomes better, and that allows us to concentrate on the beauty, right, whatever is true, noble, right, is what Paul says, we're able to concentrate on those things, whatever is true, noble, and right, and as we do that, because our thoughts produce feelings inside of our body, as we concentrate more on that truth, the kingdom of God, we experience that type of energy in our body more. And I don't know about you, but I would love for my days to be filled up with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? Like the more that those feelings and that energy invades my body and my life, the better, in my opinion. So that is really the practical application of a concentration practice. So what is a concentration practice? Okay, so what I'm referring to here, I'm just going to replace mindfulness with the word concentration practice. Okay, so concentration practice is just this. You sit, preferably in the AM. I think this is, I've found it personally to be the most effective time for me, and it seems to impact my brain, the neuroplasticity of my brain the most when I do it in the AM. I'm not sure why I could guess it has to do with maybe a little caffeine, maybe with having more energy in the AM, right? When I, when I try this in the PM, I usually fall asleep and I can't concentrate as easier, uh, or as easily. And maybe that's a good thing as well as I'm thinking about it. But in the AM, a concentration practice for me looks like sitting down, sometimes in lotus position, which is just feet crossed with good posture closing my eyes and concentrating on my breath and the feelings of my breath. I like to focus on the sensation of my breath going in my nose, like I can feel it in the tip of my nose, and then I can feel it, I breathe into my belly button. I try to have good form with my breath, which means breathing into the bottom of your lungs first and then filling up my lungs uh, after that. So I focus, I concentrate on the feeling of the air going through the tip of my nose into my belly button, 
filling up my lungs, and then out through my parsed lips, through my mouth. I close my eyes and breathe like that and focus on those sensations for 20 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes, over and over and over again. And here's what happens. As you sit there, as I sit there and try to do that, my brain inevitably wanders, right? I start thinking about what I have to do that day, what I did the day before, what my uh, aura ring data said and how that's affecting me, you know, where crows are flying outside, why my dog is barking, etc. Like I just, my brain just starts like thinking about all these random things. Do I need to get a haircut? Why don't I need to get a haircut? Should I let it grow out? I need to shave my beard, whatever, whatever, right? And as you sit there, as I sit there and try and concentrate on my breath, my brain starts wandering, which is a good thing. That doesn't mean I am failing because it happens. That's what is going to happen. But every time my brain wanders, I bring it back to my breath. I re- concentrate. I refocus back on the breath. And that right there is one rep, right? To build a stronger bicep, I go into the gym and do curls. Every time I do a rep, I am strengthening the bicep, right? The same thing is true for a concentration practice. If I want to build a concentration muscle in my brain, then I have to rep the concentration pattern, right? I have to re-concentrate. Okay, there's one concentration. Boom. Oh, it happens again. Concentrate. Boom, boom, boom. So over a 15 to 20 minute period, I am probably re-concentrating. Hmm. Probably happens like five times a minute, probably more. Let's call it 10 times a minute. So that's like 200 times in a 20 minute session. So I'm getting in 200 reps of concentration practice, and I am strengthening that concentration muscle inside of my brain. And science has shown this, my friends. People who meditate and practice a concentration practice have been shown to thicken the brain's prefrontal cortex, as well as establish new gray matter in the brain. And both of those things are closely associated with like being rational, rational thinking, logical thinking, emotional control, emotional regulation, etc. Right? So your brain is actually physically, tangibly changing that they can see on scans the more that you do this. And what I think of there is that I'm creating new space in my brain because it quite literally is new space, the thickness of the prefrontal cortex and the new gray matter. It's new space in my brain. And if my brain is changing physically, tangibly, that means that it's not going to operate the same because it's different. The machinery is different. If I change the machinery on this computer in front of me, the computer is going to operate in a different way, right? Likewise, if you change the machinery of your brain, it's going to operate differently. So what I think is occurring And what I think is accurate from the research that I've done is that this new space that I am creating is actually space between me and my thoughts. 
This is a new space between me and the narratives that are occurring in my mind. Viktor Frankl, who wrote a phenomenal book, Man's Search for Meaning, you've probably heard about it. Every wellness guru in the world recommends reading that. I liked it. It was super good. It didn't hit me the way that it hits a lot of other people, but I thought it was good. But he has a quote in there that says, between stimulus and response, so between things happening to you and your response to things happening, there is a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom, right? He talks about this idea of having space in your mind between stimulus and response. Most people are walking around this world completely absorbed in their thoughts. They are their thoughts. They identify as the narratives, as the thoughts. Well, that is not good because 80% of our thoughts, scientifically, are considered to be negative. So if you are your thoughts, 80% of your life is going to be negative. And I've talked about this on previous episodes, but the simple fact that you can observe your thoughts means that you are not your thoughts, right? If I can observe the bird, if I can observe the computer in front of me, if I can observe the microphone, the mouse, the phone, whatever, all these things I'm seeing, my green tea, if I can observe those things, that inherently means that I am not them, right? So if you can observe your thoughts, which I would say we can, I can, that means that I am not them. Most people don't know that. Most people identify as the thoughts. They are the thoughts. They are the narrative. And there's not a lot of freedom there. Because in my beliefs, thoughts are a biological expression. They are not me. I existed before the thoughts. Like before I had thoughts, I was in my mother's womb. I was still me in my mother's womb. But there weren't thoughts occurring. Right? So I am something else. The thoughts are a biological phenomenon in my beliefs that are mostly made and manifested for survival purposes for my body to survive. That's why they are mostly negative because they're fear-based. But I want to be able to observe the thoughts. I am not the thoughts, right? I am the awareness behind the thoughts. Some people use the analogy of the sky and clouds the clouds being thoughts and us being the sky. Most people think that they are the clouds. They're just drifting along. They're populating. They're disappearing. They're just like completely absorbed in them, right? They are the clouds. But I would encourage you to start seeing yourself as the sky behind the clouds, observing the thoughts as they pass, as they go by you, right? Looking at them, investigating them, and determining if they serve you or not, right? If you want to let them absorb into your body and become truth. So in my world, and what has been true for me, is that the more that I practice this concentration practice, the easier it is for me to become the sky. There's more space between the clouds and me if that makes sense. So that's what I want to offer you. Science and research kind of shows that a 12-minute practice, a 12-minute concentration practice is kind of the minimum effective dose here. 
So I would encourage you, if you are going to do this, to do a minimum of 12 minutes, just shoot for 15. Just shoot for 15. And you do not have to start there. You can start with five minutes, then go to seven minutes for like a week, two weeks. You can do a month at five minutes if you want, but you want to build your way up to at least, I would say, 15 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes. And as you do this, your brain is going to start to change. Again, it's not going to happen overnight, but you're going to start to notice after probably 60 days that things are changing for you. The way that you're experiencing your life is different. There's more awareness. There's more space. You have more control of the narratives that are occurring. Ralph Waldo Emerson says it like this. The mind, once stretched by a new idea, never returns to its original dimensions. Right? So start stretching your mind with this new idea that you are the awareness practicing looking at your thoughts. Build these new dimensions in your mind because your mind creates your reality. Like at the end of the day, it's very trite to say like, change your perspective, change your mind. It's all about the way you think, blah, 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 blah. We've heard that our entire life, but it never really stuck with me until I started to experience it. This is the cascade, my friends. Things happen. We experience life. The external world is occurring. We interpret these things in our mind as thoughts, as stories, as ideas and narratives about this external world. And thoughts, those stories, those turn into feelings. Those feelings turn into behaviors and non-behaviors. Those behaviors and non-behaviors always create the results that you're experiencing. They always create the reality of your life, right? So if you reverse engineer that, your reality is produced directly from the narratives in your mind. And if the narratives in your mind are 80% negative and you are the narratives and you're not controlling them and managing them and looking at them and observing them and investigating them, then your results are, are going to suck. Just quite frankly, they're going to suck. But if you practice being the sky, managing your mind, looking at your thinking, and choosing what you want to think, then you will start to achieve your goals and experience the life that you are longing for. You can start to refocus your mind on the kingdom, on truth, on scripture, right? And that will lead to those feelings of the Holy Spirit. And if you think about that a little bit further, that means you need to know scripture, right? That means that you should be reading scripture. You should have some verses in your mind. You should have truth in your mind. And this is the stuff that I love to coach on and talk about. I have all sorts of, I call, I call these things anchor thoughts, like thoughts that I can return back to. I have a list of like 50 of them that I give my clients that are super helpful for me. Um, not all of them are scripture, but all of them are biblically based. And I would love to give these to you and work with you, and help you. This is the stuff that I love to do. A deeper level of this is attacking the subconscious mind. This is where it gets much deeper and more complex because, yes, we have conscious thoughts about our life that are much easier to look at. Like, we can see the conscious clouds that are drifting in front of us pretty easily. But like the fog, the like mystical fog that exists, that's not, doesn't really have a shape. 
that we can kind of observe, but we don't really know. It's kind of amorphous. Those subconscious beliefs, those are what really get us. And I, too, love coaching on those things and unwinding those in your mind so that you can live free and live in abundance, which is what Jesus said he came for, so that you have life in abundance. All right, my friends, I hope that was helpful. I love you all. Hit me up on Instagram. Let me know how this was. Share it with a friend. Have a wonderful week. Peace. A special thanks to King's Kaleidoscope for the music heard throughout this episode. Also, a big shout out to Capital Floats, aka my favorite sensory deprivation and float tank facility in Northern California. I'm a frequent user there, and the experience is always transformative to say the least. If you're interested in floating and live in Northern Cal, make sure you use promo code LIFEENCHANTED with no spaces at checkout on their website. You'll save a whopping 40% off your first flow, and you will not find that deal anywhere else. Also, in regards to some of the content shared in these episodes, make sure you always consult your doctor before making any sudden diet or lifestyle changes. If you're interested in connecting with me, you can find me on Instagram at nick.carlisle or send me an email, nick at mylifeenchanted.com.